Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to this podcast today of Mercy Unbound. Today, I get to speak with Carrie Daunt. She works at the JP2 Center for Healing in Tallahassee, Florida, and we're going to discuss their work as well as her book, Undone, specifically about healing in women. I hope you enjoy the show. Please share it and have a wonderful day. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to Mercy Unbound. It's a series that aims to provide hope and avenue for healing, and one that will help you understand better and then live the great mercy of God. With me today, I have a special guest from Tallahassee, just a few hours up the road, Carrie Daunt, uh, daughter of Dr. Bob Schutz. We've had Dr. Bob on the show. They've got a tremendous healing ministry up there in Tallahassee the JP2 Healing Center, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're going to talk also about healing in women. It's something, an area I haven't really gotten into much in previous podcasts. Having four daughters, um, you know, I see the struggles they're up against with the world. Divine Mercy is the greatest healing ministry I know of, and um, we're going to bring in Jesus today and ask for his mother and his intercession as we talk today about uh, women in healing. Carrie's the mother of eight. She's involved with the center up there. And uh, Carrie's written this book, Undone. And I have to admit, uh, I was home reading it <laughs> last night and uh, left it at home. I know right where it is. Um, but I'm going to have Carrie hold it up. Uh, it's a beautiful book. And she's going to get into greater detail with it. But you can get that book at your website, Carrie. The ministry up there is J-P-I-I for two, J-P-I-I healingcenter.org. And not only that, get that book, which you'll really enjoy, but also they got a wealth of materials and other uh, books and things up there. So go to J-P-I-I healingcenter.org. Carrie, welcome to Mercy Unbound. It's great to have you with us today. Uh -huh. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on and to share in this conversation with you. You know, your book was so well written. It had women's stories in it. And uh, I just have to start by saying, how did this all come about? What, what did you write this book? You know, um, one of the, the things that we do at the center is prayer ministry. And so um, for years and years um, before, you know, I did the speaking or the writing, um, when my children were really little, um, I was trained and worked as a prayer minister for the healing center. And so I would pray with women um, and, and mostly women. They We tried to team up women with other women. Um, and as I was praying with all these women, I kept hearing this common theme, this common place of women right before they shared their shame story um they would say i'm the only one who has ever felt this way i'm the only one who has ever done this and they would share a story and everybody's story was different but there was this common thread of shame um but it was it was such a lie it was such a lie from the enemy like it was like the one thing that they needed to share and that they needed to talk about in order to get healing, but it was the one thing that they didn't want to share. And it, that had been my own experience and my own healing journey that it took me so long to be able to recognize, um, you know, that it, that there was this place where I was resistant or afraid to share because of the shame. And so, um, one of the things that I mentioned in the book that, that really blessed me was when I encountered women who were able to share their stories when they were able to be vulnerable and allow me to hear, you know, some of the the deeper secrets in their lives or the pain or the, the places where they experience shame. 
And when I could hear their courage through their courage and their stories, um, it, it gave me this avenue to be able to explore my own story, parts of it that maybe I wanted to ignore or, you know, push in the junk drawer and pretend that wasn't there. Um, and, and so as I began on my own journey of healing, realizing the importance of authenticity and vulnerability for women, like having permission to know you're not alone. And that when other women have the courage to share their own stories of shame um, and victory, you know, like where the Lord was able to meet them when they opened the door to their heart um, to allow that healing process to begin, uh, it I just really wanted to offer that to other women. Like not everyone knows or can encounter women like the beautiful women I was able to encounter. Um, but but maybe these stories will help realize like you're not alone. Wherever you are, you're you're not the only one who's ever experienced this. You know, even in my own life with areas of healing, I used to kind of like wall that area off. Yes. And not think about it or want to talk about it and think, well, I'm good. The rest of me is really good. <laughs> you know but there's areas where we all we're all broken aren't we yeah amen and and you know and I, I use the analogy in the book and I talk about this at my conferences too like if, if we think about it like as the analogy of the house that each of us have rooms like especially if we know someone's coming over that are presentable you know like <laughs> we've cleaned the living room where you walk in or the dining room's tidied or whatever but we also have junk drawers and we have you know, garages full of junk and <laughs> attics and, you know, cluttered closets or whatever. And so our hearts are very similar in that way. It's like, you know, there are places that we'd rather not anyone else see. And, and while we might, you know, it might not be a drawer or a closet that can be opened, sometimes they're vaulted shut, you know, like there are places in our lives and our stories that we just don't want anyone to know about. We don't want anyone to see. And, and they're just so far removed that we we sometimes even forget that they're there, you know, until we're triggered in some way. And we're like, okay, well, <laughs> clearly um, there's something else there that, that you know, I've been trying to pretend isn't. Uh, but we all do it. We all have those places in our lives and our stories. Every person I've ever prayed with, every person I've ever walked with, every woman I've ever done ministry with, um, every man I've ever done ministry with has some experience of, um, of that kind of shame, you know, the things that we just don't want anyone to know or to share. You mentioned about um, authenticity is so important. Explain that term. Uh, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so often, so many people put on facades. You know, it, it's, it's, especially in our culture today, you have our Instagram, you know, kind of mentality of, you know, you post the best picture that's been touched up <laughs> of the best moment. And, you know, you only tell the good start sides of the story and, and people from the outside look in and think, gosh, your life is together. You have it all together. Everything's perfect. When in reality, none of our lives um, are Instagram posts, you know, none of our lives can be touched up and, and we don't live in a facade. There's depth and there's realness and there's truth and all of that. And there's, as in any story ever been told throughout all of history, you know, every story has a problem. Every story has places of difficulty. Every story has an antagonist, you know, like we all have an enemy to our souls that, that really, um, you know, is looking for ways in which to target the places of our, our vulnerabilities and our weakness and our woundedness. And I think when we are able to hear people or encounter people who who are not afraid to share their brokenness. They're not afraid to share the places in their story um, that are less desirable, the things you wouldn't put on Instagram um, and in the right context and in, the, in a very reverent way, there's something about that that allows us to be able to look and examine that in ourselves. And, it, and it's, it's the beauty of vulnerability. You know, 
it was a big day for me. It wasn't like this great revelation, but maybe it was more over time. But I, I came to a point in my life, I wasn't a teenager, I was probably 40 some years old that I realized that God loved me. Mm-hmm. Because I was one who always set the bar a little higher. You know, if I got a 95 on a chemistry test, I should have got a 98. I was never quite good enough. And I remember maybe it came from my dad. He was had a little OCD and I'd wash the car and he'd come out and say, wash it over. You missed that little spot, you know, but um, it was a great day for me to come to realize how much God loves me. And that's really the message of divine mercy. And so many people out there don't feel loved, do they? Yeah. Yeah. And so many of us don't allow some parts of our hearts to be loved. Like, you know, you can love me here, God, but, but not here, you know, like there, there are just places where what we forget sometimes when we wall these places off is that we don't we're walling them off from God too you know from our healer from you know his divine mercy that wants to come in and and really love us in the undesirable places and the broken places you know in my own life uh, I'm always kind of questioning you know God wants all of us and and we hold back in certain things and we don't want to talk to him and we don't want to get where does humility play in all this (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think humility is at play in, in, in everything, right? Um, you know, for for me, I think it came to a place of realizing that if I continue to put out that facade, that picture, that prideful image of, of who I am, that it's not only hurting myself because I'm not being me and living in that place, but like it's hurting others because really it's only in our humility that others as we know, like throughout scripture, that others will, will also be blessed. And, um, you know, it, I think it's, it's a lifelong journey. You know, each of us are learning along the way, like, you know, like in those places of our poverty is where God moves. And, you know, it's pride that gets in the way of that for all of us. Uh, you know, it's the first sin and it's continues to be our first sin, you know, as, as human beings, because it's, it's easier to protect ourselves than to allow ourselves to be, um, to be humbled, you know. How was your book formatted? Um, you know, walk us through the book and, and what you were accomplishing with the different writers and things. Yeah, so um, it's it's divided into four sections um, uh, based on John Paul II's letter to women, um, his 1995 letter to women, where he dresses women um, in these four primary identities. He talks about women as daughters and women's as, women as sisters and brides and mothers. And you know, in this way, he speaks about it pretty specifically, like in these relationships, because women are um, relational to our core. You know, everyone is made for relationship. Men and women are made for relationship. We're made to be complementary. But but in particular, women image God in relationship. Like, you know, I always say Eve was relationship incarnate because before she was created, like man didn't really know or understand his purpose. It was when she was created. He's like, ah, at last bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Like, she speaks of the reality of relationship in her body and her, you know, in her womb and in her breasts that nurture. And um, so women in particular hold this, this facet of God's image of, of being relational. Um, and so I think what John Paul II was setting to do is, is to really look at each part of, of our relationships, um, you know, and to sh- just to really thank women for, for living out of those important vocations in our lives or important seasons in our lives. And so what we tried to do in this book, what I tried to do in this book uh, and the women who wrote um, and contributed was to look at the places where um, where some of these uh, areas of shame came up 
in each of these important identities as daughter, as sister, as bride, and as mother. Because in a vacuum, none of us would be able to experience, you know, the good or the bad of life. Like it really is in the context of relationship. So where in our identity as daughter, as the first section of the book um, is structured, where were the places where we experienced um, you know, shame or trauma or brokenness? And, and how does the Lord desire to meet us and and um, and really, you know, bring healing in, in that particular identity. And so, um, as I said before, there's daughter, sister, bride, and mother, and each um, each section has three or four stories in it that um, really shows where those places of identity were wounded and where God was able to heal um, that brokenness in those identities. But but each each section begins with an, an introduction on how we're all daughters and sisters and brides and mothers. Um, even if we don't have children or aren't married, you know, we're all brides of Christ. And as we receive communion and, and the beautiful gift of our, our Catholic faith, uh, we're all mothers in the spiritual sense. We're all called to spiritual motherhood, whether or not we have biological children or not. Um, but it also ends, each section ends with a prayer experience for that particular identity. So it's a contemplative prayer. My dad actually wrote it for our first women's conference that we did that we incorporated into this this book um, that that really takes women into deep places in that particular identity um, through this contemplative and journaling um, activity. Uh, so that this book isn't just a, oh, read it, feel better, but like really let's encounter God in this place and in, in this identity. If you would, let's take one of each of those topics and maybe talk about one of the women who contributed and what their story was and, and you know, take us from there, if you would. Yeah, so um, a lot of people ask, like, who are the women that have contributed to this book? And um, in truth, some of them are women who, you know, I was walking with with them and hearing their stories and, and knew them for a long time. And some women are actually leaders in the Catholic Church uh, that have their own ministries um, who really felt a similar call to this idea of authenticity and uh, were very eager to share their own stories very courageously. Um, you know, some of those like, um, you know, Lisa Brennick Meyer, uh, who is um, um, the head of Walking with Purpose, which is a huge, beautiful uh, woman's Catholic Bible study um, that's really growing within the church. Um, and then people like Jen Settle, who work with the Theology of the Body Institute and, um, you know, Sister Miriam Heidelin wrote the foreword. So so some of them are leaders, some of them are women just like me and, and you, who are, maybe not you because you're not a woman, but like, <laughs> um, but women in the church who, who just have stories to tell because um, we all do. Yeah. Um, but in particularly, you know, um, I think in the, um, in the identity of, of daughter, you know, like one, um, one woman shares, you know, how her mother's, her, her father's death at a young age, you know, really affected her identity as, as daughter. And, you know, as she began to journey through those places, like the places in which she tried to protect her heart and how it affected her relationships, and it wasn't until she got into, um, you know, her struggles in adulthood was she able to realize, like, some of the shame was not having a dad, you know, not having him around. And, and, you know, and there was no fault of her own, obviously. I mean, like so much of us in our brokenness. But that, you know, the Lord really desired to speak into that that place in her life that she had, it had been too painful to look at. And, um, and just her courageous story, you know, like the hope is to be able to offer women like that kind of perspective. Um, and, you know, as, as I was sharing before, um, Lisa Brennickmeyer, you know, she shares very 
vulnerably in the identity of bride. And she talks about this crisis in her own marriage and how it came about and, and really the places in which the Lord began to untangle these knots in, in her lives. Like, and, um, and her, her vulnerability, you know, her ability to look introspectively during this crisis, um, really brought about a deeper healing in her identity as bride, you know, and, um, uh, my dear friend, Nicole, uh, Rodriguez shared in the identity as mother, um, her story. Um, and, and this is just to illustrate too the, the level of like, what does it mean to be a mother of, of her struggle with infertility and not being able to have kids and how, um, in that place after miscarriages and, and just a lot of pain that, um, that the Lord began to untie some, some deep knots in her heart from her parents' childhood divorce. Um, that really freed her to live in this new vocation of mother and uh, her and her husband have such a beautiful ministry of spiritual parenthood they have like 40 spiritual children that they just pour their lives into um, but it was only through the healing process of like looking at her own parents divorce that she realized like her deepest desire was for family like it's for family and like they even though she couldn't have biological children like the Lord just opened her heart to to receive like all of these adult, young adults and, and teens that had come into their lives and just pour into them. And today it's so amazing to watch. They have all these spiritual children that are religious sisters and priests, and now they're spiritual grandparents because their children are having children. And uh, it's just a beautiful uh, thing to watch, but, but really out of a really broken and raw place in her life, you know, that God brought about so much goodness and fruit. It's interesting, you know, in the human mind, how we have these wounds and we don't sometimes even realize it consciously what's causing our behaviors in the present, but they go back to events from the past that we found that fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, we're all, no one's exempt from it either, you know, and it's not to say, you know, I, I think sometimes people look at healing ministry as like navel gazing, you know, <laughs> like to think, you know, you're just digging up things and looking for things or whatever. But, you know, all of us, like if you think about Jesus's ministry, like he came to heal the sick, he came to, you know, bind up the brokenhearted. Like this was a central mission was healing. Like it wasn't just some side side work, you yeah. know, like yeah. Yeah. his whole mission was redemption. And, and in this life now, like I, I broke my arm recently, Brian, this is embarrassing. I tried to go skating. Um, at 40 something. And um, I was really good at it as a kid. I'm not so good now. Um, and I, I fell and, and broke my wrist. And what I realized is as soon as, you know, it was evident that my arm was broken, the whole world like gathered around me, you know, and immediately they, um, you know, I was rushed to the hospital and then the surgeons were called in and, and there was a response to this trauma and how so often we have these broken places in our lives that have never been responded to. No one's ever looked at it. They never seen you know, the, the depth of the, the pain in our hearts that are so much deeper than a broken bone. But, you know, even though we're eventually going to die, all of us, our bodies are going to be corrupt. It still requires attention. And it's the same way with our hearts. Like we think, well, you know, we're, this life is temporal, but our hearts, you know, when we're healed, we can function correctly, you know, like we can live well and, and love well, which is really our call as Christians. You know, I, as a physician, I used to think I was the great physician. And, um, and I realized that Jesus Christ is, is the great physician. And as you said, he, he comes to heal. And yeah. um, it's all about the heart and, and love. And, and it grieves me actually sometimes to see people so broken and are lost and just 
wasting this precious gift of time. And I just love what you guys are doing at the JP2 Healing Center because God wants to call us to fullness. And um, and share with us some of the work you guys are doing up there for our audience and give us the website again, if you would, please. Yeah, so it's jpiihealingcenter.org, um, jp2healingcenter.org. Um, and so um, as as you stated, uh, my dad, Dr. Bob Schutz, is the founder. Um, and, you know, just 15 years ago, it was a tiny ministry. We did mostly um, retreats for priests um, and seminarians. And today um, it's grown into like a completely international operation here. Um uh, by only God's grace, um, where we do uh, conferences and retreats, um, not only specifically just for religious or for priests, uh, we also have bishops conferences, but we also do a number of lay conferences. So um, my dad, um, you know, one of the just really um, popular conferences that we do is the Healing the Whole Person conference where, you know, we travel to different regions, my dad, Sister Miriam, um, Bart, um, and, and do these conferences on, on what is it, what is healing, what is healing? What does this look like? You know, how do we become more whole as human beings? And, uh, it's really a dynamic and wonderful event. Um, we also do my dad and I together, um, do the unveiled marriage conferences, uh, where we talk about that just in the context of, of healing in our marriage and, um, but also there's many activities and opportunities for the couples together to journey into their, their healing. Is that um, as a diocese uh, normally, or how do you, how do you No, we do those all around too. So we, we travel to different regions and, um, and we do them. That one is a little harder to get. We're usually booked like several years out because we only do them with both of our schedules, like once a year, sometimes twice, but, um, but typically just once a year. And then, um, I'm a part uh, with three other um, wonderful women of doing the Undone Women's Conferences. Very similar, uh, but it's specifically tailored to women. So uh, we also travel to different um, areas and, and do conferences um, based on, on healing the feminine heart. Um, but but overall, the ministry has many resources and, um, and we also do week-long events where people come in and, and actually do experience prayer ministry and opportunities for real in-depth uh, healing as well. Is it normally that you're going to an area and putting on a conference or do people invite you to come and put on the conference type thing? Uh, that's a really great question. So um, the way that we're structured is because we started with priests, um, is it once a priest has journeyed with us and has gone through their own healing process, they typically want to bring it to their own parish, which is such a beautiful thing. Um, so most of the regions that we go to, the areas or the churches, the parishes that we go to, um, are a priest that has been through our program who invites us to come and do a, a conference for, for their, their own parish. And so, you know, we, we go all over, but we typically it's it's been a, a beautiful thing to witness these priests as they come in and with their fatherly heart um having gone through their own healing journey just to walk with us in the weekend and walk with you know the the participants as they journey through their healing because they understand and they get it and and realize it and so um you know we, we go everywhere from you know um Seattle to Chicago to my dad's in Minnesota this week and we're heading to Michigan next week um so it's it's yeah there's a lot of a lot of great areas yeah now one area i hadn't thought about getting into but i remember it was in your book that i found is a big stumbling block 
share with me if I'm correct or not, but uh, people struggle with lack of forgiveness. Mm. Can you give some thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think we all struggle in some <laughs> regard with forgiving others. I mean, you know, we're, we're all been hurt in some way or, or some capacity. Uh, but oftentimes, um, you know, what we've seen in prayer ministry, what I've experienced in my own life and in my own heart as I've walked through my own healing journey is that that forgiveness or not unforgiveness is a stumbling block um, to encountering that healing. It, like shame, is a wall that we build up around our hearts <laughs> Um, that doesn't allow, you know, God's healing love to penetrate. And, and what I have always recognized forgiveness is, well, in the context of prayer ministry, it's like this door, you know, that's, that's locked shut. And then once, you know, that the, that we're able to learn or to open our hearts or just even God, give God permission to allow us to, to want to forgive that person, it, it becomes this, this open door to receiving a deeper sense of God's grace. It's like, it's not hurting, as you heard, you know, almost a trite saying, it does not hurting the person you're not forgiving. It's actually hurting ourselves. Well, in healing, it's truth because that door of unforgiveness keeps us, you know, blocked off from receiving God's love in those places. And it's by our own choice, you know, like God never violates. He's a, Jesus is a gentleman, you know, he's never going to violate our free will. And so if we're choosing to hold on to that unforgiveness, it, it becomes a barrier for, for our own journey of healing you know and, and it's hard like gosh hearing some people's stories there are places that there are things that that are unforgivable that people do yeah. you know that it's 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 never okay and it's never going to be okay you know once you forgive them that doesn't excuse it you know like but the reality of it is is that the holding on to that person you're actually being bound to them in some way which you know, if I think about it in that context, it helps me to want to release them, you know, because I don't want to be connected to that unhealthy person or that unhealthy situation or circumstance, you know, God, he deeply wants to heal and restore the places where it's been broken, but not have that unhealthy attachment with that person who we, we think we're holding on to unforgiveness for, for their sake. <laughs> um, is there a big difference in the healing walk of a man and a woman or uh, haven't you written something on healing for men? Yeah, actually we, we did a book, um, my husband and I on, um, it's called Man Your Post, Learning to Lead Like St. Joseph. Um, and it's actually based on virtue, but it's a lot of it is just um, like living in, in the vocation that we're called to. And, and men and women are, they're so made so differently, beautifully complimentary, but made so differently. And I think, you know, where a woman, as my dad talks about, um, you know, in, in, in many of his different resources, a woman's fundamental core wound is undesirability. You know, like she, and this is why shame is such an issue for women in particular. You know, we, we have this core wound from the garden of, of I'm, I'm not desirable. Like we believe that lie um, in that place where God created us for beauty that, that we want to close ourselves off and we feel undesirable. Um, for men though, it's actually inadequacy. So we see over and over and over again, the same lie, you know, that the enemy, he thinks, you know, he can't create, he can only distort. <laughs> But he pokes at men in this place of inadequacy, like just like Adam and the curse, you know, you will toil in your work, you know, like there's always this constant like place of running into, uh, you know, yourself and, and, and feeling like, as we see men many times, even feeling like a failure. And the response often um, for men and women are two sides 
of, you know, of the same spectrum, you know, for women, if they're experiencing undesirability, they'll go one way and shut down completely, you know, they won't care about what they look like or want to enter in and just hide, or they'll go to this other end of the spectrum where they become the seductress or the manipulator or the control freak, you know, like, um, we're really, you know, the truth of it is, is that God is always at the center. He's always in the middle, you know, and, and Mary is the perfect model of femininity. I mean, yes, she's perfect and without sin, but she shows us so much about what it means to be a woman. But for men, I think that spectrum looks different. It's the passive men, like the Homer Simpsons, <laughs> you know, of the world, like who don't do what they're called to do, or, you know, don't stand at their post. Um, but then there are men who abuse the power and, and like to, you know, rule over you, you know, like both ends of, of that, that same spectrum. Yeah. That's interesting. What's some first thing that maybe comes to your head of what you love most about your work, uh, incidences or just your own growth or why do you love to get up in the morning and get to the JP2 Healing Center? That's a really great question. I, I think it's 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 such a beautiful thing to witness. You know, the analogy the Lord gave me in prayer, Brian, years ago um, when I first started on this journey. Um, my, you know, I, you know, my dad's a psychologist, and he's always really done a lot of work with people in trauma. And my mom was a labor and delivery nurse, and she was an amazing labor and delivery nurse before she passed away. Um, and the Lord showed me like this complimentary between them, because when I'm walking with somebody in their healing journey, whether it's at a conference or in healing prayer ministry, um, it's almost like watching them give birth to this new life. And like when those moments happen, it's like the most miraculous and beautiful thing to witness. And the only other time I've ever felt that way is when I sat in on a birth that wasn't mine. And <laughs> realizing just like how amazing God is to bring new life where there wasn't life before, you know? And, and so for me, the most fulfilling part of the job is, is when we see these women, their lives, like their hearts, like completely open to the Lord and transformed in places where just three days before, you know, we're completely closed off and, you know, healing's a process. It's not like a one and done and, you know, overnight kind of thing, but just the joy of seeing the birth and the new life that God wants to do in their hearts. I had a question um, while you were talking earlier about all the places. Is your schedule of events that the JP2 Center, where you guys are at, is that up on your website? It is. Yeah, we have a um, it, just one of the, um, you know, choices that you can have on the menu bar. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Um, actually, is our all of our events. It lists all of our events, um, so uh -huh. you can see where where our events are, where they're taking place. Um, most of, you know, one of the silver linings of COVID has been that uh, we began to live stream a lot of our events. Uh, just some of the churches were at capacities. So um, even if you can't attend an event in person, um, it chances are, you know, you can live stream wherever you are. So uh, that there's an availability for every person who wants to go. What would you say here as we begin to wrap the show up? What would you message would you have for women who are really struggling with shame for whatever reason? Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I would say, first of all, that you're not alone. <laughs> you know, don't believe that lie, that you're not the only one who's ever felt this way or the only one who ever will feel this way, that every single one of us has experienced shame and that each of us struggle in, in some capacity or another and that whatever it is that you're going through or have gone through, um, that 
it doesn't define you and who you are and that it is only in Christ's light. Like I, the temptation is to keep those places sh just shrouded in the dark, you know, to keep them, those, you know, locked up in your, your basement, your attic, your vault, whatever. But like, really it is only when the light of Christ and being able to share, um, and it takes a lot of courage and it takes time, you know, not to force ourselves in the safety of, you know, a good environment, but to be able to begin to look at those places and to open those doors is really the, the most freeing thing that you can do. Because once what is in darkness comes into light, you know, as we know from scripture, like it no longer has power. And so I just want to encourage you like to find that safe place and, and, and to know, to know absolutely without a doubt that you're not alone. You know, I was thinking um, of a quote Martin Luther King said that darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can. Mm -hmm. Isn't yeah. that the truth? We want to keep doing the same things over, you know, expecting a different result and mm -hmm. live in the darkness and the shame and the guilt and all that stinking thinking. Mm -hmm. And then we got the light of the world, Jesus Christ, and his rays of blood and water want to light us up and then we're to light the world. You know, you think about the world's hurting right now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that what you just said is right exactly at the heart of like why healing so that we can bring healing to others, you know, that we can be that light in this darkness. And you know, there's so much generational brokenness and it breaks my heart when I see these families, you know, divorce, 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 or domestic violence, domestic violence, domestic violence. And your, your efforts are so beautiful because trying to put a cog in that wheel and say enough's enough, you know, Jesus wants to heal us. And um, any closing thoughts here for us, Carrie, before we wrap up today's show? God, just thank you. Thank you for the um, this great conversation. And thank you for the work that you're doing. It's encouraging to see, you know, a doctor living and in, in the understanding of that mercy too. It's like the whole person. So it's, it's good work. <laughs> Well, give my best to your dear father and um, up the great work up there in Tallahassee, people. Carrie, hold your book up again, um, Undone. Sure. It's available at um, JPII for JP2, jpiihealingcenter.org. Got all kinds of books and resources there for you people that are saying, hey, I want to taste this. <laughs> Once you've tasted the, the wine of the fruit of jesus's grapes i mean you don't want to taste the <laughs> anymore and uh go to the website uh keep up the great work and again, i want to thank everybody for joining me today on mercy unbound god bless share this let's get the healing going jesus said i've come to set the earth on fire how i wish it were already ablaze with his love so thank you again carrie and we'll get you back soon thank you okay god bless Please subscribe to our YouTube channel for the video portion. The podcast can be heard at anchor.fm slash drbryan, B-R-Y-A-N, Thatcher, T-H-A-T-C-H-E-R, and on all the major podcast forums. I would love to speak at your church or conference, and please consider supporting our efforts to spread the truth to a hurting world. Thank you again. And for more information, go to the website at drbryan.com thatcher.com.